Another list for you fine folks to get pissed about. Jack McMullen, recent purchaser of a pesto. Peter Apple, recent consumer of a turkey pesto sandwich. This is the Just Baseball Show, and it's Thursday, March 24th. Hey, man. Expected so much of a bang, and you decided let's talk about pesto before we talk about the best first baseman in baseball. You know, it's it's exciting because it, it's tasty, but it's not exciting for anyone else. It could be. Yeah, well, it's it's exciting for people that enjoy pesto. Yeah. So, I, am I getting worse at that? Am I getting worse at leading with the headline? No, you've actually been phenomenal. That's why for top ten first baseman, I was expecting, or maybe I expect too much. Maybe okay. I expect too much. All right, restart. Three, two, one. I'm going to keep another list you guys are going to get pissed about. Three, two, one. Another list you guys are going to get pissed about. Jack McMullen, Peter Apple, not talking about pesto this time. This is the Just Baseball Show. It is Thursday, March 24th. I am absolutely keeping the outcut in there. So you heard the reset, and here we go. Top 10 first baseman. This was so much more fun than catchers. So much more fun than catchers because with catchers, we got to dive into, you know, all these advanced defensive metrics. We got to evaluate the position because the position is so much different. First base, who rakes? Who rakes the most? And all, all these guys, they're fine defenders. Some of them at the top of the, our list, maybe we're giving them a little bit extra of a bump, but this is a list of dudes who rake. That's all it is. Dudes who rake. Yeah, it, it's the larger than life. The guys that come up and their forearms look like Popeye and they should have an absolute hammer of a lip in. They're the villains in major league and angels in the outfield, right? That's the first baseman. And you look at a guy like Pete Alonso who's going to be in the top 10. You look at a guy like Jose Abreu who are just these massive, hulking human beings. Vlad Guerrero Jr. is built differently. Freddie Freeman is built differently. We've got a 38-year-old that doesn't hit homers anymore, but just slaps singles everywhere that's on this top 10 list. This is a very interesting position. It's different talent. Like you look at shortstop, you look at third base, and you look in the outfield, like that's where the bulk of the talent is. This is a different blend of talent, but this has no shortage of very, very solid baseball players. It's not the most loaded position in the league, but in terms of power, in terms of firepower, in terms of donkey pop, it definitely leads the league. Well, it, it leads the league in donkey pop because donkey pop is reserved exclusively for first baseman. And the H's and the occasional third base and wherever Williams Estudo plays. La, uh, Tortuga. La Tortuga? La Tortuga yeah, does not have donkey pop. Ah, fun, though. Yeah, but not donkey pop. You're right. He doesn't qualify for donkey pop, but he looks like he might. Well, Alejandro Kirk, that another he's a guy. Chunkmeister. Alejandro Kirk, another guy. Didn't make our top 15 catchers, unfortunately, which you can find on episode 185. This is episode 187, top 10 first baseman. This is a little bit of a different list. 
But remember, we are projecting for 2022. Again, we use 2019 to 2021 as a baseline, putting more weight into 2021, and then doing our best to project the 10 best uh, for 2022. That's our job here. That's what we're trying to do. And I hope you hate it. MLB average for average exit velocity is 88.3 miles per hour. Williams Astudio has an 86.2 average exit velocity for his career. So that is the opposite of Donkey Pop. I digress. We did five honorable mentions, eh, five and a half, six, and then we get into the top 10. Should I give you the honorable mentions right now? Give me those damn honorable mentions, you beautiful man. Oh, sweet. Uh, the reason I just got out of the shower. Thank you. Um, the reason I said five and a half, six is because our first honorable mention is the tandem of Trey Mancini and Ryan Mountcastle. And we listed them as a tandem because they pretty much split first base duties evenly this past year when the other was the DH. Mountcastle gave him 33 homers. Mancini gave him 33 doubles to go along with his 21 homers. They were one and two in RBIs for the Orioles last year. Whoever plays first for them is a calming presence considering the utter chaos they have literally everywhere else. I think the most exciting player, because we know what we get from Trey Mancini. He's been one of the better first basemen in the league for a while now. You know you're going to get close to 30 home runs, close to 100 RBIs, just pop from Trey Mancini. But the guy I want to focus on is Ryan Mountcastle, because Ryan Mountcastle is a 25-year-old one of the top prospects not too long ago with the Baltimore Orioles. He got a first cup of coffee in 2020, played pretty well. And then 2021 was really his coming out party. The dude hit 33 jacks with a 796 OPS. Just a really, really good player. And as Mancini ages a little bit, takes more time at DH, maybe times in right field. I think Mountcastle will be the first baseman of the future. And that's a great first baseman to have. And Mountcastle can also play left. Yeah, uh, I know Aram was super high on Mountcastle to the point where he said he might hit 50 bombs this year. And you were very quick to jump on that train, too. He's got just crazy raw power. The dude hits freakazoids. He hits piss missiles. He hits. He's a guy. He's not a donkey pop, dude. Doesn't weigh enough. What does he weigh? Nobody. Yeah, he's oh, 6'4", 230. I didn't realize he was 230. You know, he adds 10 more pounds this offseason. He's entering donkey pop territory. Love it. Uh, next guy is the polar opposite of Ryan Mountcastle. Ty France is 5'11". He might be pushing 220. Uh, he's so unassuming, but Ty France just hits, dude. 152 games last year. He hit 32 doubles. He hit 291. He had an OPS at 813. He lowered his strikeout rate by 7% off of his career mark, and he was an anchor for a young team and a fun team. Ty France is not the flashiest player in baseball, but he's absolutely an above-average first baseman. I want to read you his batting average since he started. 2019, we're going to throw that out the window. I know he had 201 plate appearances, but it was with San Diego. He was young. It was his rookie year, and he only hit 234. Fast forward to 2020. How about a 309 batting average with the San Diego Padres? Then he goes over to Seattle, 302 batting average to total 305. That was his coming out party, right? Great bat-to-ball skills, just a phenomenal all-around player. Really good defender as well. And then last year was really his coming-out party. 18 bombs, hit 291, 813 OPS. Really sound, good hitter for Seattle. That will be in the middle of the lineup, with, surrounded by the Julio Rodriguez's of the world, Jared Kelnick's, all these young prospects. But Ty France is just the – he's the mold. He's the guy just in the, the middle. Glue. He's, he's the, the glue. glue. I like that. He's the yeah. glue right in the middle of there. 
big fan of tight friends. The glue that keeps the team together. Uh, I think in a perfect world, you're looking at the Seattle Mariners in two years when they are contending for AL pennants and World Series titles. Ty France is the six hitter, and he's the best six hitter in the game. I think he could hit even higher than that. He's just got such great bat-to-ball skills. I guess you could move him to six if the Mariners lineup just goes absolutely crazy if Kelnick becomes what Kelnick can be, Julio becomes what Julio can be, and Mitch Hanniger is still raking balls. But he really is – I mean, he's like a – he has a profile of a three-hitter. He's just like an he, anchor, though. And yeah, not three like hitter, a two-hitter. Hit 18 bombs. Two-hitter, then. Maybe I mean, he's just got great bat-to-ball skills. Puts yeah. the ball in play. Maybe two-hitter. How about the leadoff hitter for the New York Yankees this year? <laughs> he's our next honorable mention. Anthony Rizzo, three all-star nods in his career, four gold gloves, a platinum glove, and a silver slugger. However, he was just fine in 2021. With the Cubs and the Yankees, he split the year. He was traded near the deadline. He hit 248 with a 783 OPS. He's not the swing and miss sellout for power type that the Yankees have fallen in love with over the last, you know, iteration of Yankee baseball, which is good. It's a nice taste breaker. But the reason he's out of the top 10 is because we're not entirely sold that Anthony Rizzo of old is back. We're worried that this is a new era of Anthony Rizzo that we are getting into. And I know you pushed back. You said, maybe this guy's 10. I just don't see it anymore. And he could change my mind. But as of right now, I don't consider him a top 10 first baseman in baseball. Yeah, he's close. We had the argument between Jared Walsh and Anthony Rizzo. And the reason why I side closer to Anthony Rizzo, but I kind of just gave away our 10th guy, but whatever, you're going to hear the rest of the list in about the next five minutes. I was arguing between Rizzo and Walsh because of Walsh's struggles against lefties. How is, you know, I still think he's going to be great, but I just think Rizzo is going to have a return to Anthony Rizzo type season. I think the last year was weird, right? Starts off with the Cubs. They're terrible. He's got nothing to play for. Then he gets traded to the New York Yankees midseason, then has to adjust to New York. We saw how hard the adjustment was for a guy like Joey Gallo getting traded over. He hit 160 and struck up 45% of the time. Sometimes it's just hard to adjust to a new stadium, especially, 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 especially the New York Yankees. Say what you want about them. It's hard to play in the Bronx. It's just a fact. I think that a full season in that locker room, now he's back with the Yankees. He wanted to go back home to the Yankees, back home. That home is in Chicago, but his new home in New York. I just think a more relaxed Anthony Rizzo is a better Anthony Rizzo. And I think he will be better than what we saw in 2021. I'm just not going to let that slip by. That was the most fucking Yankee thing I ever heard. He wanted to come back home. He spent half a year and he wanted to come back home. I know. And I, and I, and I, I fixed myself. I said his new home in New York. It is his new home in New York. He decided to tertiary home. His, his primary homes in South Florida. He went to Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. Uh, His secondary home is in Chicago, which is where he built himself as a major league baseball player. And then his tertiary home is where he just spent his last two months of professional baseball. And he'll spend the next two years in his new home. That's not a diss to his other homes, calling it a new home for his new team. Oh, God. All right. Uh, Okay, Yankee fan. Here's the thing, though. What you just told me is a lot of hope. It's a lot of I think he'll get back. Everybody wants to think they get back. Will he actually get back remains to be seen. A month into the season, could we have? Could we be having a different conversation? Yeah, absolutely. But right now, I'm not sold on anybody, um, you know, 100% sure thing getting back to their old form. I'm just not. 
Fair enough. Fair. We'll we'll just have to see because he still hits the ball really hard. That's something that Anthony Rizzo does well. He's still a great defender, much better defender than a lot of players on this list. He's just a very well-rounded player, and I think we're going to see a better version of Anthony Rizzo. You watch. Then he'll sneak into the top 10. Uh, Next one is uh, very firmly in the honorable mentions. Reese Hoskins, uh, how this dude walked 116 times in 2019 blows my mind. Uh, But Reese Hoskins hides in the slightly above average department. He's a career 862 OPS guy, which I didn't realize it was that high. But he gets big time bump from his eye. I mentioned 116 walks in 2019. He consistently hits the ball hard but his defense is meh at best, and he's got some swing and miss problems. He's an easy guy to root for. I like it. He's not top 10, but he's for sure top 15. Reese Hoskins is like what you imagine a first baseman to be. Yeah. You know, he's he's big and clunky, and he's not going to play that great of defense. He's not really going to run, but you'll get close to 30 home runs, and you'll get close to 100 RBIs, and he's probably going to hit like 240, 250. He's, he's the baseline of what a first baseman should be. He's the DH that you needed to find a position for. Yes, I would say that's fair. Uh, DH is maybe a little harsh, but it's not that harsh because he's really not a good defender. He like he's he's serviceable. He's yes. not you know you're not saying oh base. my god if only we had better first base defense. I don't he's think not the big poppy over there. Like they've got <laughs> they've also got bigger problems now with Castellanos in the outfield with Kyle Schwarber. We were just grading the offseason of the NL East on episode 186, released yesterday with Arm. They they finished as the lowest team in defensive run saved, negative 54. I think next best were the Yankees at negative 41. Like that big of a difference. And I did they get worse? Yeah. They got worse. Yeah. Is that a don't have, honorable mentions? They don't have Roman Quinn anymore. Was Roman Quinn a Philly last year? Yeah. Okay. National. Wearing uh-huh. red somewhere. I think he was a Philly. He's going to be a Jacksonville jumbo shrimp this year. He's he signed a minor league deal with the Marlins. Um, next guy is CJ Crone. It looked like the writing was on the wall for CJ Crone. He entered 2021 on his fifth team in five years. Uh, he was giving everybody solid offensive production, but not enough to make him appealing financially. Right. And then he got coursed. A career best 127 WRC plus a career high in every aspect of his slash line, batting average, OBP, slugging percentage. And he upped his walk rate nearly 5% over his career best. There was a philosophical change to complement the change in literal scenery. And that bumped Crone from mediocre to slightly above average. Let's go, CJ Crone. I remember we were talking about CJ Crone. We were talking about the honorable mentions and you're like, I know CJ Crone had a great year last year. We saw him, but I mean, where's the track record here? Has he done it before? And we do the old little, we'd go to his 2020 season, 140 WRC plus. And you're like, wow, he's really now been raking ever since he went to Colorado. Yeah, but he didn't the Colorado. Yeah, he didn't really play much. Played like 15 (laughs) games in 2020. Doesn't count. It, 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 he's been hitting since 2020. That's my point. He's yep, been he was in Colorado in 2020. Wasn't he in Minnesota last year? Like this guy was actually borderline irrelevant because he was, he was fine. And then he got to Colorado and it's like, Oh shit. CJ Crone kind of hits. He does kind of hit, but he's only going to make honorable mentions because he's not the best defender. And it's hard to differentiate cores versus the rest of the league. It really is. I mean, some of these guys put up eye popping numbers 
and you look deeper and it's like, is this guy really that good? Or is the outfield enormous and the air is thin and the ball flies out of the ballpark? It's a good question. It's the kind of the question we try and answer every single day. And, and we'll see what happens with Chris Bryant because he tends to put the ball in the air in the outfield. Yeah, but I'm all in on Rocktober. Should we start with the top 10? Uh, yes, I just want to confirm that he was a he was a Detroit Tiger in 2020. CJ Crone was an Angel in 17, a Ray in 18, a Twin in 19, a Tiger in 2020, and then a Rocky in 2021. He's finding some continuity for the first time since 2016, 2017. That was the uh, Trump election and inauguration. So, you know what? We got Crone. we got Joe Biden in office. CJ Crone's found a home for more than a year. It's an interesting spin zone. So let's get into the top 10. Ah, the number 10 first baseman in baseball is Jared Walsh of the Los Angeles Angels. Walsh showed a lot of promise in 32 games in 2020, recording a 970 OPS with nine home runs. But then 2021 hit and Walsh exploded. He makes really quality contact. He's in the upper half of the league in our hit rate. And even though he's only hitting, he's hitting about 50% of his balls on the ground. He hits the ball with such authority that it routinely results in extra bases in 144 games last year. He had 29 home runs and 34 doubles becoming a right-handed pitcher's worst nightmare. Walsh dove does have his issues though, but he has so much potential in his age 28 season, especially in a revamped angels lineup. He struggles mightily against lefties and is a below average defender at the position. But Walsh was really the unsung hero in Anaheim last year, often overshadowed by the greatness of Shohei Otani. But he's a top 10 first baseman, and the world will realize that in 2022. I love it. Um, you mentioned he was, he was a right-handed pitcher's worst nightmare. OPS numbers last year by handedness yeah. against left-handed arms. He had a 565 OPS. Against right-handed arms, he had a 994 OPS. You, you, you just simply see more righty arms than you do lefty arms. Like, I'm in on Jared Walsh. If you could platoon him, great, but you don't need to. Because 10 of his 29 homers came against left-handed arms. Like, he was meh. He hit 170 in, what, 192 plate appearances against lefties? Like, that's not good by any stretch. But the power was somewhat there. And you want him in the lineup every day for the chance of seeing a a righty starter or b right-handed relievers. And Walsh is going to hammer the shit out of him, unlike many people in this sport. And Walsh is such a confusing player to me because you, you said it yourself: the lefty-righty splits, how how egregious they are in terms of the OPS, but not in terms of the power. And his expected stats. This is where the eye test comes in. Because his expected stats, Jack, like he has a 20-point drop in expected batting average from 277 to 257. He has almost a 70-point drop in expected slugging versus slugging last year. He slugged 509, expected slugging 436. Like his WOBA was way bigger than his ex-WOBA. All of those point to he was pretty lucky in 2021 but when i turn on an angels game i watch this dude just rip liners everywhere so I'm like where is he getting so lucky he hits the ball so hard so that's why i'm interested to see if he's always a guy who will outperform these x stats because 2021 was really his first full full season 
So I'm interested to see if he comes back down to earth a little bit or if he just outperforms those. I'm in the boat where I think he's just going to outperform those type of stats because of the quality of contact is so good. I, I'm also in the boat that he just makes a correction against lefties because you, you go yeah. back to 2019. He's talented look, of a hitter too. You also look at his AAA numbers in 2019, played 98 games with AAA Salt Lake. His overall numbers there, 98 games. The guy hit 36 home runs, hit 325 with an 1109 OPS. Splits now in minor league baseball against righties, 305 with a 1.110 OPS. So an OPS north of 1100 against righties. Now against lefties, 140 plate appearances. The guy hit nine homers in 140 plate appearances. He hit 367 in lefty-lefty matchups, 140 plate appearances, and he had an OPS above 1100. So they were like dead even splits between righties and lefties when he was in AAA ball in 2019. Now, AAA in 2019, big league ball 2021, they're very different. But are they like different planets? I don't think so. So I think he gets better against lefties before he comes down to earth against righties. I agree. And even in 2020, I, the problem is it's such a small sample. It's such a small sample. But at least in 2020, he hit 324 off lefties. 777 OPS. It was 34 at bats though. 65 at bats against righties. He had an OPS 1.071. Like he just no doubt demolishes righties, which he's going to face more often than not. I agree. I think he will make the adjustment and I'm just interested to see if those telltale stats, some of those expected, you know, the ex-WOBA, the WOBA, some of those stats give us a better picture of what we may expect next year. And I'm just so interested to see if he outperforms us because he's so freaking talented. And I think he will be a top 10 first baseman when it's all said and done. I mean, he finished in the top 10 in war anyway last year. And you know what? He can also hop in the outfield if need be too. I, the Angels have an abundance of outfielders, but he was primarily a first baseman in 2021. Former Georgia Bulldog, sure, he's a big Stetson Bennett fan. Also, a former Katuit Kittelier. Shout out Pete Flaherty, member of Just Baseball. Uh, but the ninth best first baseman in the game is Brandon Belt. Belt walks. He hits balls on the screws all the time. Belt doesn't chase. And Brandon Belt still plays top flight defense. Was he ever a power hitter? No. Did he pull some Brandon Crawford bullshit and hit 29 bombs as a 33-year-old this past year? Yes, he did. Not counting 2020. He put up the best OPS of his career by over 100 points last year. What shoots him down this list, though, was his lack of availability. He only played 97 games this past season. Did we both think Brandon Belt was a little over the hill? I think so. Are we going to stop doubting the Giants' voodoo magic? I think so. We have to stop doubting the Giants, people. I don't care what it's on paper. I don't care what the stats say. They just figure it out. Like, Brandon Belt is just clearly a dude who rakes. I cannot believe it. He had 29 runs last year with a 975 OPS, and he crushed every single pitch that you could throw at him too. So what kind of adjustment are you going to make as a pitcher next year? He actually hit the worst off fastballs, Jack, in terms of batting average. 256 batting average, 272 off breaking balls, 356 off off speed. Like, he... He doesn't hit the ball on the ground. He hits so many balls in the air. 41% of his batted balls last year were fly balls. 21.5% were line drives. 
he just has such a good batted ball profile. He crushes balls, right? He doesn't chase. He takes his walks and he's a really good defender. Or at least he had a good defensive year last year in limited time, of course. He's just well-rounded, and you'd think that he's 38. He's 33. He's fine. Probably going to rake again next year. I saw him hitting, like, if I could have predicted a line for Brandon Belt ahead of 2021, it would have been, like, 265 with 15 homers. Dude hit 275 with 29. Like, didn't even play that much. He played 97 games, and he hit 29 He had the same amount of home runs as Jared Walsh, and Jared Walsh rakes. That's like, well, Brandon Belt fucking rakes too. I don't know what to tell you. I just think it's kind of amazing. It is. kind of amazing. Uh, I love talking about a number eight guy. This beast hit 30 plus home runs and drove in 100 RBIs back in 2014. In 2021, he did the same exact thing. And he has been one of the most consistent sluggers in our sport. That's why Jose Abreu is the eighth best first baseman in baseball. Not only is Jose Abreu just so damn consistent, he's so incredibly durable. He's missed more than 10 games in a season just twice in eight years. He was the MVP in 2020. And if you think that he shouldn't have won it, it doesn't matter. He did because he was amazing. And then he finished 10th in war at a loaded position in 2021. He's one of those guys in baseball constantly tagged as, you know what you're going to get. You know, and that's what you're going to get. Top of the line, offensive production, average defense, an absolute workhorse, an excellent leader in the White Sox locker room. Jose, Jose Abreu, there's not a lot to not like. I mean, he's played seven full seasons for the White Sox and he has a hundred plus RBIs in six of them. I don't, I like, that's it. A, watching this guy in some capacity, pretty much every day for the last however many years, I cannot tell you a guy that I'm more reliant on. Are there guys that excite me a lot more? Yeah. Like Jose Abreu might be the eighth most exciting guy in that White Sox lineup, right? I like Luis Robert more. I like Eloy Jimenez more. I like Tim Anderson more. I like Yohan Moncada more. I'm probably leaving... You I don't do. like Yohan Moncada more than Jose Abreu. I love Yohan Moncada. Not I, more than Jose Abreu. No, I'm a Moncada truther. But okay, when I'm, I'm talking about reliability, like I like watching Yohan Moncada more than I like watching Jose Abreu. But you know what? That's very fair. I see Jose Abreu in, in the lineup for my White Sox like every single freaking day. I'm like, okay, good. Jose's playing. We're, we're hanging. He is a joy. Like he is an absolute joy because when he comes up, your heart rate goes down. A lot of those guys, you know, they can hit the ball 480 feet, but they can also strike out on four pitches. Abreu is like, okay, if there are runners on second and third, you got a two-run single coming right now. I'm in. It's clutch. Comes to the ballpark every single day. You know what you're going to get. He's a silent leader, leads by example, and he fucking rakes. Something to key you in on, just like from the human element side, Jose Abreu from Cuba. Luis Robert, Yohan Moncada, Yasmani Grandal from Cuba. You've got a lot of guys that speak Spanish on that team. Eloy Jimenez. They're all young, too. What happens when you have a 35-year-old Jose Abreu in the clubhouse? He makes everybody gel together. That's the best clubhouse leader. Who do you think they look up to? Exactly. Exactly. 
So those are my thoughts. Um, somebody that I'm sure not a lot of people look up to because he has his flaws, but uh, he won a batting, batting title. Yuli Gurriel. Uh, Yuli is the seventh best first baseman in baseball. He turns 38 in June and he just won a batting title and a gold glove in the same year. Like, fuck, dude. What? <laughs> uh, you can't keep Yuli any lower on this list. His past four seasons, he's hit 299, 291, 298, and then 319. The power is gone. He hit 31 homers in 2019. He hit just 15 in virtually the same number of games in 2021. But he's making up for the lack of power with this abundance of singles, like so many singles. The guy hardly strikes out. He hardly swings and misses. He's got above average plate discipline. While he doesn't hit it hard, he still hits. And that's why he's seven. Yuli Gurriel hit 330 off breaking balls last year. That's all I got to say. Because he doesn't have Yuli power. Gurriel. Like, he decided to say screw it to the power department. Like he doesn't load or any, he just flicks breaking balls. He stays back on breaking balls and he flicks them into the outfield. He hit 350 off fastballs. Yeah. I mean, the guy is like the best singles hitter among all first basemen. And I accidentally misquoted that. He hit 330 off fastballs, 350 off off speed. <laughs> God. And Yuli Gurriel is so interesting, too, because you look at the expected stats and he always outperforms them because he's the I don't think the stat cast era has figured out a way to quantify how good of a hitter and how much he just cheats balls in the outfields for singles. Like he's so freaking dependable and. And he's a great defender. Like you never would have thought that the 38 year old who's still hitting singles is still playing one of the best defensive first baseman in the entire league. You just, he's a guy you can't really quantify and he's so much fun to watch. But is he that like he hit seventh, he hit seventh for the Astros and he won a batting title. I love watching him hit. He's Dude. one of the best professional hitters. Like I think if you made a list of 10 hitters in baseball, pure hitters and, and baseball people know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Like Yuli Gurriel might make that list. Like Brantley guys like that, pure hitters. He's Good on you just walling out all the non-baseball people that listen to the just baseball show. Yeah. Only baseball, baseball people. people. Understand. I assume baseball people listen to this. Podcast. Yeah. Only, only people who like baseball uh, know what I'm talking about right here. So all you people that are just listening because they think Peter's handsome, get the fuck out of here. Screw you. Can I talk about Joey Votto? Yeah, sure. <sighs> I love this. Joey Votto is so back. He's the sixth best first baseman in baseball. Last year marked a change in approach at the plate for Votto. And what a change it was. Last year, he focused on putting the ball in the air more, highlighted by the highest launch angle of his career. He even started swinging more often. Ch even chasing more pitches outside the zone. This resulted in a dip in batting average in OBP, but everything else skyrocketed. He hit 36 bombs with a 140 WR WRC plus. That was the highest since 2017. He finished with the ninth best hard hit rate in the league, right in front of Juan Soto. And the crazy thing is, Jack, the expected stats even point to some bad luck for Votto in 2021. 
He's one of the great infielders in baseball, one of the great leaders in baseball, and Joey Votto still freaking bangs. His his OBP numbers are hilarious. Like, if you just look over the years, I mean, from, what, 2009 until, let's see, 2009 until 2018, he didn't have an OBP under 410. He went from I'm going to be Ted Williams to I'm going to be Pete Alonzo. <laughs> like, and that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. No, uh, he hit 36 uh, homers. He just changed his approach. Yes. Yeah, so he wasn't going to be this- a guy who hits 15 to 20 home runs, makes sure his batting average over 300, takes a ton of walks. Similar to Salvador Perez, he knows that this is his lineup. He's got to be a run producer. And what a run producer he was in 2021. Right. So you look at whiff rate. I mean, this was in a full season. Um, he did swing and miss a lot in 2019, but this was, you know, the only time in the stat cast era that it's been north of 20%, despite your aside from 2019. You look at zone contact rate too. So pitches in the zone that he's swinging and missing on, um, that number was always astronomically low. It got higher this year because he was putting harder swings on the baseball. Joey Votto has talked about how he changed. You know, Bobby Nightingale, Bob's son, is, has written about it. Um, you've got a bunch of other guys that, that are on the Reds beat that wrote, wrote about it. I want to say C. Trent Rosecrans wrote about it in The Athletic. Like, Votto has, has totally looked himself in the mirror and said, I want to be a different Joey Votto as my career comes to a close and he's a different Joey Votto. Is it a better Joey Votto? I don't know, but is it a comparable Joey Votto? It is. I think it's a better Joey Votto. I I really do. And I think that it's, it's so interesting to see something being said by writers. You see it on the baseball field and it's reflected in the numbers. Okay. So I I am going to push back. I don't think it's a better Joey Votto because you grew up on the West coast. You went to college out East and you're a fan of, a major league baseball team out East watching Joey Votto from 2009 to like 2015, 2016 was next level. That guy was a stud. I'm not calling this season, his best season ever. I'm not calling this approach better than anything we've ever seen from Joey Votto. I'm saying this change in approach made the best 36 year old Votto possible. Yes, Right. Because yes. if, if in the next year, you know, maybe the batting average comes down a little bit. Maybe the OBP comes down a little bit, but he doesn't tap into the power. So he's hitting 295 with 15 home runs and a 390 OBP. But instead, he went 275, 370 with 36 jacks. That's what I meant. I meant right. that the new approach for a 36-year-old Votto is the best thing that could have happened to him. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. Because if he stuck with the old approach, the power was just going to go to the wayside and yeah. the pitchers are not afraid to attack him because it's going to be a lazy fly ball or a ground ball in the infield. Exactly. But it, and so that's what, yeah, we, we know what I'm talking about now. Yeah. J, well, I mean, Joey Votto's stretch of like never hitting a pop-up for like eight years. Yeah. I mean, that's done now because he's, he's selling out for power. So he's just naturally looking for lift more pop-ups. The, uh, the old Joey Votto is extinct. The old Joey uh, it's Votto like the is Taylor song is the old Taylor there. I'm sorry. Uh, she can't come to the phone. Why? Cause she's dead. You know what I'm talking about? The old Joey Votto is extinct, but Joey Votto 2.0 is, is is a little bit more fun. And that's my spin zone into saying, I have no idea what you're talking about. Really? The the Taylor, sorry, the old Taylor can't come to the phone right now. Why? Because she's dead. And then you have like a, you know, a, a switch into like hardcore rock Taylor Swift. I don't, I don't remember what song it is, but 
not, I don't, I couldn't even tell you what album. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, moving on. <laughs> Pete Alonso is the fifth best first baseman in baseball. The guy hit 53 homers his rookie year. He's won each of the last two home run derbies that have been held. Call it a down year if you want in 2021, but this dude hit 37 bombs and slugged 519 in 2021. Was it 53 homers? No. Is 37 still incredible? Yes, dude. Oh my God. Swing and miss was a problem in his first two seasons. 2019, he struck out 26% of the time. 2020, 25% of the time. Last year, Alonzo dropped his K rate to under 20%. The guy hits the ball harder than anybody not named Stanton or Judge. He is the king of the 120-mile-an-hour ground ball. He consistently hammers the baseball, and he's turned himself into a pretty decent defender. I'm buying stock in Pete Alonso. I really do think he's just scraping the surface of what he can be. I totally agree with that analysis. Like, totally, totally agree. Pete Alonso came into the league in 2019 as a bouldering first baseman who was trying to hit as many home runs as possible. He still wasn't a bad hitter. You know, he hit 260, he took his walks, 358 on base, and, you know, slugged a ton, 941 OPS. Had an amazing season, but he wasn't a good defender. You know, he's obviously not giving you any speed. He's just, that's what his game was. He was just hitting homers. Yeah. Just hitting homers. And what is he transformed into? A very complete first baseman. He's gotten better in the field, like you said. I mean, even ranked in the 74th percentile of outs above average. Like he was a well above average defender. At least that's what they rate him as. And, and just as an overall hitter, much more just a better overall approach. I mean, you see it just in, in where his balls were going after he hit the ball. I mean, we're talking about a 38% pull rate, a 35% straight on, and 26% of the opposite field. Like he was at a 42% pull rate in 2019. This is a different hitter. But could he start pulling the ball 40% again? Could he get a little bit more lift on the ball than maybe he got last year? Yes. That's why I think he could hit 50 home runs while still hitting 260. Like this guy is a definitive top five first baseman in our league. Yeah, it's a possibility. Lowest launch angle of his three-year career in 2021, but highest average exit velocity, highest hard hit rate. So he was hitting more line drives. If this guy is 35 to 40 homers and 35 to 40 doubles, oh my God, give me all of Pete Alonso. He hits the ball so hard that a degree in launch angle could be five to 10 more home runs. Yeah, Like that's how hard he hits the ball. Mm -hmm. So if he just puts a little bit more lift on the ball, we could see him going back to 250 or 250, 50 home runs with a 260 batting average and good defense. I mean, that's that's just as good as anybody in the league. Yeah. How about number four? It's really hard to find something that our fourth best first baseman in baseball doesn't do well above average. That's Paul Goldschmidt of the St. Louis Cardinals. He finished third in war among first basemen in 2021. He's in the top five in hard hit rate. He's one of the best defenders. And he's not a burner, but he's so freaking smart that he stole 12 bases without even being caught. He's like the JT Real Muto of first baseman if JT Real Muto was one of the best hitters in the league. He finished sixth in MVP voting in 2021, and he won a gold glove. And I wouldn't expect anything less in 2022, but he is 34. So maybe a teensy decline just because he's a human being? I don't know. I don't know either. I think he's going to be awesome again. So like 
Paul Goldschmidt, it's a lot like Votto, right? <laughs> Votto in Cincinnati in the early 2010s was like Paul Goldschmidt in the mid-2010s in Arizona. I mean, this guy was stupidly awesome. I couldn't stupidly get awesome. Paul Goldschmidt. Um, I mean, you look at like how hard he hits the ball all the time. That's one of those guys. You know, we had the conversation maybe last week, maybe the week before. Um, if you're a third baseman, who are you pooping your pants about when they're in the batter's box as a right-handed bat? We said Bobby Dahlbeck for sure, Vladdy Jr. for sure, because it looks like they're just going to take your head off at third base. Paul Goldschmidt at 6'3", 220, he has this menacing build to him. He looks bigger than that. He looks like he will take a third baseman's head off. He also had a huge discrepancy between his slugging and his expected slugging, so we could even see more power next year. More power from one of already the most menacing right-handed hitters in baseball. He's 34 years old. I'm just saying he's got more power in there. Or he had at least more power in him last year. And Gurriel's like 38, so the age doesn't matter anymore. Especially not for first base. Now, Tom Brady decided he doesn't like his kids, and he just decided to play football again. So he's what? Brady's 67 years old? 68 in June. 68 in June. Happy early birthday, Tom Brady. We're just making shit up now. Do you know ARP? You have an AARP account? Um, Yeah, I mean, I I did Goldschmidt, man. And, like, you made the argument for Goldschmidt at three, but there's a guy, like, seven years younger than him that I'm just way more excited about, to be totally honest. Um, And he's got a new team, but Matt Olson is still the third best first baseman in the game. Matt Olson is now subjected to the Freddie Freeman comparison. Freeman signed a free agent deal in LA. Matt Olson got traded to Atlanta. He signed a big extension. Alex Anthopoulos pretty much went Olson for Freeman. And that could be daunting for Matt Olson, but it shouldn't be because he is a top three first baseman in baseball with the chance to grow. Contractually, Alex Anthopoulos won. Freddie signed six years, $162 million. Olsen signed eight years, $168 million. So two more years and just six more millions of dollars. So the average annual value skews Freeman's way when you look at the higher number. Olsen is also five years younger than Freddie Freeman. And I'm willing to say that for the duration of these two deals, it's more probable than possible that Olsen is the more productive player of the two. The two-time gold glover, Got his first all-star nod this past year. My man hit 39 bombs and drove in 111 runs with the Coliseum as his home ballpark. Strikes out less than 17% of the time. He walks more than 13% of the time and consistently hits the ball harder than nearly everybody in baseball. The Atlanta boy's back home and he's going to rake for the next five years. This is a guy who almost walks more than he struck out. and. He was even better against left-handed pitching than he was against right-handed pitching last year. 964 OPS against lefties around 870 against righties. Like just, he, there's really no holes in Matt Olson's game. And I bet if you asked Matt Chapman, why does he have so many defensive runs saved? I mean, Matt Chapman is, if not the best defensive third baseman in the top two, top three, however you want to slice it. But I'm telling you, he's got to thank Matt Olson over there for how many picks he's dug out of the dirt. Matt Olson is a very good defender on top 
of being a top three or four offensive first baseman, maybe top he's top three in both of those things. I mean, he's just, he's so well-rounded and at 27, he's going to be so good this year for the Braves. Yeah. So when we look at most underrated players in baseball is Olsen near the top of the list, if not at the tippy top of the list, I would say not anymore just because of the big trade now to Atlanta, but still he hasn't been in the limelight yet. But people are going to see it because the Braves are then going to make, you know, the playoffs. And he's just going to give you close to what Freddie Freeman is going to give you at a younger age with better defense. And he's just like he struck out 31% of the time in 2020, he struck out 16% of the time in 2021. Like he yeah. made clear adjustments. He's just a great cerebral hitter. Just yeah. a really solid player. 2020 was was a total fluke. I'm willing to write that off on Matt Olson. But I mean, like, y- you watched the Mats play in 2017, 2018, 2019. I mean, like, though you could have made the argument that Matt Chapman and Matt Olson were the two most underrated players in baseball because nobody watched them. Nobody cared. They were in Oakland. Oakland doesn't spend money. Their whole MO is not spending money. They made a movie about it. I mean, it's like they did make a movie about it, it. but like Olsen and Chapman, you watch them and it's like, oh my God, who are these guys? I saw Oakland play the White Sox when Olsen was a rookie. And I saw Olsen and I saw that weird stance where the bats like over the heart of the plate. And then he hit a fucking nuke. And I was like, who is this guy? And he is going to do that to a lot of people that don't closely follow the Oakland A's or the Atlanta Braves or Major League Baseball. His barrel stays in the zone a really long time, kind of similar to J.D. Martinez. You just never feel like that barrel is leaving the zone, so he can really kind of hit everything. And it's reflected in the fact that he hits fastballs, he hits off-speed. He really just hits everything because the barrel just sits there for about 15 minutes and waits for the pitch to be delivered. Yeah. No, I mean, he's listen, he's 6'5", 225. He's handsome as hell. He's only 27 years old. The world is his oyster right now. The world is absolutely his oyster, and he signed an eight-year, $168 million extension with his hometown team. I bet he's pretty happy right now. Yeah, I would be. I would be as well. So the number two first baseman in baseball, before I get into it, you have to promise that you're not going to get upset, and you just hear us out. Just hear us out. The only reason that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is not checking in at number one is because he's only done it for one season, so he's our second-best first baseman in the sport. But if he does... What he did last year, it's over for the rest of the league because that means Miguel Cabrera 2.0 is officially here. What a season in 2021. Vladdy lost out on the MVP because he doesn't pitch, but 48 home runs and a 300, 400, 600 slash line at age 22 was not only amazing, it was historic. He hit the most home runs by a 22-year-old ever, ever. More than A-Rod, more than DiMaggio, everyone. And he was so disciplined in doing so. He doesn't strike out. He takes his walks. And when you throw it in the strike zone, he sends it into orbit. The only hole you can poke in Vladdy is the defense and the speed. But he plays first base, so I'm really not that worried. If he replicates his 2021 season and improves on defense, he will be number one very soon. Yeah, Remember when he was supposed to play third? (laughs) That would have been a massive mistake. Yeah, 
And, and so let's get into why he's not number one, because he objectively, he had the best season and we're expecting another amazing, amazing season. But we've talked about his splits. Remember, he was playing in Dunedin. I finally got the name right. He Good. was playing in Buffalo. These were space stations on Earth. They had zero gravity. He could hit balls that no one's ever seen before. Then in the second half, he played in Toronto another huge, great hitters park. And he was great, but he was objectively a little bit worse. We yeah, are I not mean, saying, yeah, we're not saying that he cannot replicate the season. We expect him to, but there are little holes that you can poke in, especially with the defense. I Blue Jays fans are going to tell me that he's improving as a defender. I, I did see him improve over the season, but I remember watching him at the beginning of the season and he's trying stretch for balls and like miss balls like he was not a good defensive first baseman and he's not a burner like he's not going to steal you any bases either he's not going to affect you on the base pass it's just what you get at the plate and without the pedigree of the guy above him because he's only done it once we're only going to put him at number two which feels like a disservice to him Okay, so it does because the guy hit the ball on average 95 miles an hour. He averaged <laughs> a hard hit baseball. Like, how stupid is I didn't that? know that. He averaged 95? He averaged 95. <laughs> he averaged a barrel, which is yes. barrels 95 miles an hour with an optimal launch angle of between 18 to 34 degrees. And he averaged that. Yeah, let's see. His barrel rate. Uh, he didn't average a barrel. Let's see. Hard hit rate. Uh, where am I finding this? What the hell? Um, all I know is his average exit velo last year. Um, his average hard hit rate, yeah, 55.2 miles per hour. 55.2%. Yeah, 50, or yeah, 55.2%. His average exit velocity, 95.1 miles per hour. And I think we have to contextualize that for a second. Like hard hit rate. That's balls hit over 95 miles an hour. Every other ball he hit, more than that, was over 95 miles an hour. Like, think about that in your head because I'm thinking about it in my head and it's hard to really grasp. Okay, the I, here, let me contextualize. The average hard hit rate of a major leaguer is 35.4%. 35%. Vladdy did it 55% of the time. He sends balls into galaxies that we have not discovered yet. Correct. Uh, I did have the numbers up and I have them up now to quantify what you were saying about playing in band boxes because he played in Dunedin, then he played in Buffalo, then he played in Toronto. His home numbers, he hit 332 with a 708 slugging and an 1100 OPS. His road numbers, he hit 291, with a 497 slugging and an 875 OPS. Let's see him do it again. It's okay if you've got a home field advantage, but when you play in Williamsport, Pennsylvania for half the season, like you're going to hit a billion homers. That's what Vladdy did. It, but the, the age 22 season was historic, but it might not happen again. It might. Totally might. He probably, probably will. will. It probably, probably will. will. But until he does that, we're not going to take the king off the throne. Yeah, and the king is Freddie Freeman. He's still the top dog, 
and he's now financially compensated as such. The 2020 NL MVP has won three straight silver sluggers and has fulfilled his prophecy of being the guy to bring the Braves their World Series title. In 2018, Freddie Freeman led the league in hits and doubles. In 2019, Freddie Freeman hit 38 bombs and drove in 121. In 2020, he hit 341 with an 1,100 OPS while playing all 60 games. And in 2021, he put up the third 30 homer season of his career. Freddie Freeman does not miss games. Since the start of 2018, he has missed seven games. Four in 2019, three in 2021. That's it. The Dodgers just paid for still serviceable defense and really good defense at times, a 300, 400, 500 slash line, a proven leader and now proven winner, and in my opinion, a future Hall of Famer and the best first baseman in baseball. A future Hall of Famer that since 2018 has more stolen bases than any other first baseman. That's another thing I wanted to throw in there, more than Paul Goldschmidt, because we hear about Paul Goldschmidt being the speedster of the first base. No, no, no. Still Freddie. We're talking about defense. Freddie's one of the best. And how about, Jack? He got unlucky last year. Yeah. 320 expected batting average, 583 expected slugging. He's a guy who the expected stats do love him normally. Sometimes he out, sometimes he doesn't perform up to those standards. That's, uh, But it does go to show that they even think he's got more in the tank, Jack. He's got more in the tank. I thought he went through a really rough stretch at a certain point, like a, a, a brutal, brutal stretch. And I'm looking at his monthly splits. I think it happened in May. He still had a 788 OPS. Like Freddie Freeman sucked at for like a two-week stretch in May, and he still put together an OPS near 800. Still five home runs and 90 at-bats. Still, he always still, comes back. And still walked almost as much as he struck out in that bad month, like 16 Dude. walks at 22 Ks. He, he always comes back to even water and his even water is just higher than anybody else's. It's higher than Vladdy. It's higher than Matt Olson. Like his basement is top 10 first baseman in baseball. His ceiling is obviously best. And his middle ground if everybody's performing to their middle ground is still best because while Vladdy has more power, while he's probably got more bat to ball and while Olson is a better defender and has probably more thump, Freddie Freeman just does everything really, really well at all times. There's not something he does poorly. Vladdy, he can't defend. Like, Freddie Freddie can defend really well. Like, he does everything well. Think about it. He's Jose Abreu. If Jose Abreu hit 300, was one of the best defenders at the sport and also stole the most bases and has a World Series, and has a World Series ring. Yeah. Like, he, he's that level of durable, that level of dependable. But he he does everything the best. Like it's 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 Freddie Freeman's league until Vladdy does it again. And like to be totally honest, yes, like track record does play into this year. Like he's thirty two. Freddie Freeman has earned the number one spot. Earned the number one spot. And we are projecting again for twenty twenty two. But would anybody be shocked if Freddie Freeman finishes with a higher WRC plus than Vladdy next year? Oh, I, I mean, wouldn't. Who who can you not pitch to in this Dodger order? AJ Pollock, I guess, still hits. I'm saying who can you not pitch to, right? Like who can oh. you try to avoid? Who can you nibble oh. on? 
Because if you put runners on, Mookie Betts is going to drill you. Cody Bellinger is probably going to be back. I mean, Trey Turner is still Trey Turner. Freddie Freeman, Justin Turner, like Muncie. I like doing second baseman next week. He's he might be the number one second baseman in baseball. The Dodgers might have the number one catcher, the number one first baseman, and the number one second baseman. Right, dude. Will Smith. When Gavin Lux is in the lineup, maybe you can nibble around the guy that hits in front of Gavin Lux, but that's about it. Freddie Freeman's always going to see something to hit because there are no breaks. The worst thing that happened in the National League was giving the Dodgers a DH because now you have Justin Turner. Seriously. Yeah. (laughs) Screwed themselves. Now you got Justin Turner at the DH. And and they have talk about their third base prospect coming up, Vargas. Oh, I love Miguel Vargas. I I love Miguel Vargas. Um, They got another dude ready. Yeah, a lot of people were hoping Edwin Rios was going to be the savior. Rios is not the savior. Miguel Vargas is the savior. Miguel really Vargas, like somebody Rios. said his swing looks a lot like Alex Rodriguez. And I was like, oh, shit. What do you want us to do, people? We're going to try and give you, we're going to try and tell you every single team is, is great, but the Dodgers are just, they do things a little bit differently over they're, there. They're running a different race. They're running a different race. But they only have a Mickey Mouse ring. That's what I'm going to call 2020 because... If I, if I, you know, that's the only way to make fun of him. Yeah. Mickey Mouse title. Um, yeah. Who won the, uh, oh, nobody won the national title in 2022. Um, yeah. Cause yeah, we yeah, called the, yet. we called the 2020 postseason the Mickey Mouse postseason. Yeah. That's right. Um, Cause that's I was the only about- way to take credit away from a Dodgers team that has won 105 games basically every single year we've been alive. It, they're bypassing luck. Like they, that's what they're doing right now. They, they are bypassing good things coming to them like they're just paying to be better than bad luck i think um i saw this tweet i wish i had it in front of me but it was it was like they steal if you beat them in october it was a great tweet and i forget who it was but i really wanted to bring it up it was if you beat them in october they're going to steal your best player the next year it started with the red sox they take Mookie, Mookie. and then they've taken freddie and then they've just and i i need the tweet in front of me but they've they've done that i worded that terribly why not just go slurp them right up um, yeah, so top 10 list again. We got Freddie Freeman at one, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at two, Matt Olson at three, Paul Goldschmidt fourth, Pete Alonso fifth, Joey Votto at six, Yuli Guriel at seven, Jose Abreu at eight, Brandon Belt at nine, and Jared Walsh at 10. That's a fun one. And we got second baseman coming next week. We're going to have third base coming as well. And uh, I know Aram wants to get in on the action too. So maybe we do three next week. Maybe we do second, third, and short. We will see, won't we? But it's mm-hmm. coming. And we're also going to be grading uh, off-seasons as well. We just did the NL East. I assume that you and, and Arm will be handling the NL Central because I will be in Boise, Idaho, presenting. Got to thank Tree Fort and the Hack Fort Fest in Boise, Idaho. I am presenting a panel about how TikTok can change your business because it has certainly changed ours. And if you want to go follow us on TikTok, at just baseball fans, we just hit a hundred thousand followers, and we will be doing giveaways this week and next week, as well as follow us on Instagram as well at just baseball fans, Twitter at just BB Media, and get your just baseball merch in the episode link description. First base was fun, and I think this is you know there's no true perfect list, but how how is this list wrong? You know how is it wrong? Have fun in Idaho, you weirdo. And with that, thank you, everybody.